Daily news and analysis. We keep you informed and inspired. This is World Today. Welcome to World Today, a news program with a different perspective. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. In this edition of the show, we discuss ASEAN's mandate to foster growth. The 43rd summit and meetings of the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, or ASEAN, have just concluded in Jakarta, Indonesia. Under the theme of ASEAN Matters, Epicentrum of Growth, the meetings provided platforms for leaders of ASEAN countries, as well as their Asian and Western counterparts, to discuss ways of building a stronger regional economic powerhouse. What has made ASEAN the promised land for growth? To focus on the economy, how should ASEAN countries maintain geopolitical stability in the region? How can China and ASEAN work with each other to unleash more development potentials? Now, for these questions and more, I'm joined by Timo Kivimaki. He is professor of international relations at University of Bath. Also, we have Bang Nagara, director and senior fellow, BRR Caucus for Asia Pacific, and honorary fellow at Perak Academy. Also, we have Rongying, vice president and senior research fellow at the China Institute of International Studies. Thank you all、uh, for talking to us、uh, on this very important topic. Now, first up, I'm sure all of you have been watching the summit and the related meetings. We know、uh, leaders from around the world gathered in Jakarta as Indonesia hosted this year's summit.、Um, first up,、um, what is your? Let me ask you, what's your general impression of this year's meetings, and what strikes you the most? Maybe、uh, let me start with Professor Kivimaki, please. I think.、Um... Mm. This year's meeting、um, was a success,、uh, and this is largely、uh, and, and at least uh, partly uh, due to the excel- excellent、uh, preparatory work、uh, and pre-negotiation and dialogue and the diplomacy of the current chair of ASEAN, Indonesia.、Uh, the sum- summit、uh, continued the East Asian tradition of seeking consensual solutions、uh, that emphasize common interests rather than divisive interests. Yet, I think、uh, this year clearly it, it also managed to deal with、uh, some difficult issues as well. For example, the organized violence in Myanmar,、uh, which it dealt in a way that I think was quite brilliant.、Uh, it was not heavy-handed.、Uh, Uh, instead,、uh, it tried to. In, it, 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 I mean, what it didn't do, it, it didn't want to identify the bad guy and gang up、uh, against him、uh, and then punish or, or destroy or di- disempower, but rather the, the so-called、uh, five-point consensus that、uh, the ASEAN reached、uh, in summit meeting、uh, suggests that、uh, ASEAN will help Myanmar's effort. At, and I'm, I'm quoting、uh, the, the document:、uh, restoring peace, stability,、mm. democracy, and a Myanmar-owned and led compre- comprehensive political solu- solution.、Mm. So no puni- punishment, no division, no ganging up.、Uh, I think that's that's typical of East Asian way, and and and, and, and、uh, this time it worked very well、uh, with ASEAN as well.、Mm. Now,、uh, Mr. Nagara, what's your observation,、uh, and how would you comment on Indonesia's Role in hosting the summit. How successful was it? As for Indonesia's role, I think、uh, it did a very fine job, as can be expected, in hosting this、uh, series of conferences. As usual,、uh, Indonesia always does this well. 
And I think uh, President Jokowi uh, actually um, set the right tone in his keynote speech in uh, saying that this region, ASEAN or Southeast Asia, uh, is going to remain very much uh, a non-aligned region, not to be played by any major powers, and will uh, retain its own sovereignty uh, in dealing with everybody. So I think uh, although that issue is well known among ASEAN countries, uh, he did... uh, give a very good and useful reminder to everyone within and outside ASEAN that um, we are here to do business and we don't want uh, politics coming in to uh, disturb any kind of a normal uh, working relations among countries because diplomacy is key mm-hmm. and we don't want uh, one side or the other among the major powers you know, trying to uh, upset uh, things and then uh, making business bad for everybody. So uh, this is the, the kind of uh, approach that everyone should be taking. Mm. Now, uh, Dr. Rongying, uh, how would you what would you say about the meeting? Well, I share with, with very much. I think the two previous uh, speakers' uh, remarks that uh, this uh, summit, uh, this meeting, these serious meetings um, are routine to some extent because I mm. mean ASEAN leaders' meetings are held annually, but it is different, uh, different in a way. Uh, certainly because of the circumstances, because the overall environment where uh, I think uh, first and foremost, this is uh, sort of a first year of the formally ending uh, uh, of the end of the COVID-19 and mm-hmm. uh, now people can travel uh, freely. And, and uh, But economically, uh, it seems that the recovery is not as uh, as good uh, as well as it should be. Many economies, big and small, are running into difficulties. The geopolitically, I think the the Ukraine crisis certainly, but also in the region, we are seeing intensifying major power uh, competition. And at home, I think uh, uh, in the region, as the two previous speakers all mentioned, that. Uh, Myanmar certainly is an issue that uh, would call upon more energy, mm-hmm. more sort of uh, uh, work by ASEAN. Uh, and uh, this is thanks to the leadership, uh, I think, by uh, uh, Indonesia, President Joko Widodo. The, 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 uh, the uh, summit, the, the meetings been going on very well. And uh, also making some progress uh, in in terms of not only in setting out the direction, uh, in terms of how ASEAN uh, should uh, navigate these difficulties, these uncharted waters, mm-hmm. uh, to be, uh, to become more relevant or as relevant as resilient. But more importantly, I also very much was struck by the sort of way that is tried on the one hand to maintain the ASEAN sort of uh, uh, practice, you know, non-interfering internal affairs, mm-hmm. consensus building, but also in, the t- in making effort, on the other hand, to respond to the needs of, I mean, of decision-making in terms of, uh, I mean, on the que- particular on the question on, on Myanmar. So I think in, in general, uh, this is a, a, a very, I, I think, important uh, uh, meeting, and I think uh, Indonesia has played a very important role in exercise the leadership, mm. makes ASEAN more relevant. And the last thing I would say also that the 
the theme of this summit. I mean, ASEAN matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, makes making a strong argument uh, and how and why it matters. Yes, so focusing on development. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so this is the, this is my impression. Yeah. Mm. Dr. Rong, I want to follow up on that because, uh, as you mentioned, this is a strong argument. ASEAN matters. Uh, why does ASEAN matter in today's world, in your opinion? Well, I think certainly ASEAN matters because uh, first and foremost, economically, mm-hmm. I, I think now it is one of the fastest growing uh, region uh, with their uh, GDP in total over three trillion, mm-hmm. and it is also, I think, increasingly uh, a hub for trade, for investment, and uh, manufacturing. And that, that, so it becomes now very attractive, attracting uh, attractive place around the world. As mm. you see. And well, uh, maybe uh, if I may, I just add, uh-huh. you know. Uh, sure. Excuse okay. Me. Sorry. Uh, All right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, ASEAN has always mattered uh, in the world because it stands for the principles enshrined in the United Nations, uh, which sometimes uh, has been forgotten by some major powers. For example. Non-intervention in the internal affairs of nations, mm. and this is the main one of the main ASEAN principles, which uh, some people forget, and they think that this is uh, only an ASEAN uh, uh, principle because it it is really a United Nations uh, major principle, and also you know uh, decisions by consensus, which is only possible given the kinds of uh, countries uh, that are in ASEAN, uh, no major powers as a member, uh, but at the same time, I think uh, ASEAN. Today is even more important than before because this is a very crucial time when, uh, let's face it, the U.S. and China are in a very uh, serious uh, competition, even rivalry. And it is important for the world as a whole that uh, ASEAN in this region in particular stands for the, the principles of the U.N. and also, uh, you know, in a very non-aligned way as, as enshrined in its uh, Zone of Peace, Freedom and Neutrality Declaration, mm. the ASEAN uh, you know, principles of a Southeast Asian nuclear weapons free zone, as well as the MET of the City of MET and cooperation in Southeast Asia, which many countries outside Southeast Asia have actually signed to. So I think ASEAN has always been important, but even more important today mm. because it, it stands for universal principles of peace, as well as. Um, where any disputes are concerned, they should be solved by peaceful negotiations mm. and not by force. Right. So I think uh, all countries, not just ASEAN, should stand for these things as well. Mm. Now, um, Professor Kevin Mackey, I, I understand you are an expert on international relations and conflict uh, resolutions. So how would you understand ASEAN's relevance today? I I actually agree very much with uh, Dr. Bonagara's uh, mm. view. Uh, I mean, to some extent, of course, ASEAN matters as an as as an example to the world, uh, example of economic growth and example of a, a slightly different uh, peace strategy uh, than we have seen. I mean, in the West, and uh, we we Westerners uh, often feel that our example is is the example to follow mm-hmm. and but but here it it seems uh, according to my research it's quite clear to me that east asia uh, has managed to become more peaceful in terms of of reduction of fatalities of organized violence per population uh, than any other region in the world and i think it is partly because of this 
this thing that uh, Dr. Bunagara uh, uh, says, respect for sovereignty actually works for peace. It seems to work especially uh, by reducing the likelihood of escalation of conflicts. Mm-hmm. Because uh, very often what happens, uh, if we look at, uh, at, 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 at some of the kind of Western uh, uh, um, lessons uh, in peacemaking, uh, there is a problem. We have to identify the bad guy and we have to punish the bad guy. This doesn't seem to work. Uh, uh, I mean, if we look at uh, interventions uh, to prevent violence, uh, we can see that uh, on average, on the next year, uh, on the first year of in- intervention, uh, this kind of humanitarian intervention to protect people, uh, the number of people who are being killed by organized violence is increased by 720% according to my calculation. So mm-hmm. so I think uh, this kind of self-restrained, uh, um, sovereignty, respectful uh, approach that emphasizes on things that unite rather than things that uh, I mean it's not focused on problems it's mm. focused on economic growth which is uh, a common interest uh, I think it does work better and ASEAN matters because of the fact that uh, that it, it, it offers a, a, a way to mm. peace which we normally don't consider mm. as, as, as a global lesson we don't consider it because of the fact that I think uh, the mainstream thinking in, in, in science and politics is quite racist. Uh, whatever the white world mm. invents uh, seems to be the, the right uh, uh, model. But uh, in this case, uh, it's quite clear that the East Asian model is better. Mm. Well, thank you for pointing that out. As one of CGTN Radio's most popular programs, World Today provides listeners with a strong mix of international news and business. It delivers in-depth analysis of current affairs and one-on-one interviews. We need the stories behind the news, not just what's happening, but why. Welcome back to World Today. We're having a panel discussion on ASEAN's mandate to foster growth. Now, continue with our discussion. In her speech at the plenary session of the ASEAN Summit, um, IMF Managing Director Kristalina Georgieva said, um, here I quote, we are projecting growth of about 4.5% this year and next. <clears throat> Excuse me. In fact, ASEAN countries are contributing 10% to global growth, which is more than twice their weight in the global economy. Um, now, Dr. Rongyin, what factors do you think are contributing to the solid economic performances of ASEAN countries? Well, I talked uh, previously about the economic uh, sort mm-hmm. of factors and also, I mean, also supplemented by my colleagues, the two previous speakers about the uh, uniqueness or the ASEAN way. Indeed. Man- yeah, managing the... Uh, the uh, uh, only managing differences, but also promoting the ASEAN mental uh, thinking, ASEAN way in managing the differences, which is I think becomes even more relevant, and important in this in in this world. Which and and this is also have to really uh, acknowledge, and because of that, ASEAN has become an attractive place, as I said. And and the further to the second point, I want to make is of course. Because of that, the, long, the 
the, the prospect of stability, peace, and makes it, I mean, attracts more investment mm-hmm. in, in general. And the other factor I would also mention, of course, the uh, ASEAN's population, uh, I mean, the demographic factors, if I can say, with 650 million people, this is a, a huge market. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the, 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 the population is quite young. And so if the uh, education and the skills have been improved, that would also contribute a lot. I mean, for the economic productivity and others, and the 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 the, the uh, 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 there are other factors, and of course, they are also making themselves very much adapt adaptable, mm-hmm. adapted to the changes, to the transformation of technology. For example, at this uh, meeting, I mean, summit, they adopted a kind of a digital transformation, digital uh, uh, sort of uh, develop. I mean, digital develop, digital grow. Uh, Mm-hmm. Economies and also in terms of environment protection and so on and so forth. So I thought that uh, as we look around, I, certainly I think ASEAN as a region, regional uh, grouping or as a whole stands a much better chance mm-hmm. and becomes increasingly a, a, a attractive place mm-hmm. for, for development, even though there are a lot of issues, a lot of challenges ahead. Right. Now, Mr. Nagara, um, apart from uh, what Dr. Rongying has mentioned in terms of uh, population, in terms of uh, stability in the region, um, in your observation, what are some of the other factors that are contributing to the growth in ASEAN countries? Well, um, for one thing, ASEAN uh, political stability is a major drawing factor for foreign investment. Mm-hmm. Um, we find that uh, Southeast Asia historically has not been a very a uh, particularly uh, stable uh, region. But when ASEAN was founded in 1967 uh, and until now, uh, we find that things have stabilized. There is a greater political stability, uh, more peace. And, uh, you know, countries outside ASEAN want to join ASEAN. Well, and none, uh, no member in ASEAN actually wants to leave, unlike the EU with uh, Brexit. So we find that uh, ASEAN is attractive. Uh, and it's a very uh, fertile way, we can say, in uh, uh, you know hosting foreign investment. And one of the pluses, therefore, is growing ASEAN uh, integration economically. Mm. Now, admittedly, ASEAN integration in business uh, has not been very rapid since 1967. But uh, I think it has uh, done uh, much better in recent years. And I think this uh, helps when we find that. ASEAN is also very proactive in uh, encouraging greater economic integration in the larger East Asia region. Mm. Now, the IMF uh, has, uh, as you noted, uh, projected 4.5% growth in ASEAN this year and next, uh, which is uh, you know, not too uh, optimistic, actually. I mean, it can be uh, achieved because the World Bank itself has projected for East Asia outside China, basically ASEAN countries, uh, Japan and South Korea, a 4.9% this year, which is a bit mm. higher. Wow. And that's a bit higher than last year. And I think next year could be even better as things stabilize in the post-COVID uh, era. So I think uh, ASEAN has got both the social as well as political uh, advantages in attracting uh, greater economic investment and trade. Mm, indeed, 4.9%. That does look very promising. Um, but Mr. Nagara, as you mentioned, some analysts have argued that further integration of ASEAN lacks momentum. 
uh, against the backdrop of the current Myanmar crisis. Uh, also, there are other problems. For example, um, the development levels of ASEAN members actually varies uh, from countries uh, to from country to country, and they these analysts say that they, all this all these would prevent ASEAN from further becoming a stronger regional economic powerhouse. Now, Mr. Nagara, how would you respond to that? I think that outlook is uh, unduly pessimistic. Uh, if we understand ASEAN correctly and historically, we find that ASEAN came together in 1967 not because the member countries, the you know, original five countries, agreed a lot with each other. No, it was quite the opposite. It was precisely the five out of the five countries, four uh, did not have uh, much in agreement or trust among themselves. Mm. Uh, you know, Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia, and the Philippines that the fifth member, Thailand, brought them together in an association called ASEAN in order to help promote greater unity and uh, development. Now, this is in contrast to some uh, other regional organizations where members come together because they agree with each other. I think historically, ASEAN has thrived on the differences among themselves because by having those differences among the different countries, the members have greater reason to work more closely together to overcome their differences. And this is, I think, a unique uh, position, I think, of ASEAN. And it is something that has worked to its advantage because of experience. Mm. Countries have learned to compromise with other fellow members. And mm. in doing so, they find that their own national advantage or national interest is actually the same as the greater regional interest. And therefore, they have to work together for their own individual interests. This is something which I think has worked in ASEAN and it continues today. Mm. So differences uh, today and tomorrow will not mean much uh, to ASEAN in terms of uh, a kind of, uh, you know, impeding uh, investment and trade because uh, the differences with Myanmar today, I think uh, it's very much an internal ASEAN matter of, you know, within the ASEAN family. Uh, it can be worked out in time. Maybe it takes longer than, uh, you know, uh, required or uh, desirable, but uh, it will get there. Uh, and then I think uh, in the meantime, where ASEAN relates with other members among the other nine, uh, with uh, Timor-Leste coming in soon, mm -hmm. uh, as well as ASEAN's relations with the rest of the world, I think uh, that is not a problem at all. The uh, difference over Myanmar, I think, is a very small, uh, relatively small internal matter, which I think can be overcome. But in the meantime, uh, ASEAN can do very well uh, within itself as well as with the rest of the world. Mm. Um, well, we have two minutes before we wrap up uh, the first half of this conversation. But uh, Professor Kevin Mackey, how would you respond to the comments that were made just made by Mr. Nagara? I, I uh, fully agree. Uh, I think mm -hmm. uh, it's true that ASEAN is built on complementarity. For com complementarity, you need difference. And in that sense, uh, I think it's it, it is true. If we look at historically, the growth triangles were between the most different uh, countries rather than similar countries. So difference, uh, diversity is uh, is for unity rather than than uh, than than uh, division. And and secondly, I think uh, this Myanmar problem is being dealt with in a way that develops ASEAN's ability also to deal with difficult issues. I think it is dealt with in a, in a good way as it doesn't impose solutions on Myanmar, but instead it helps Myanmar find its own solutions. I think uh, in that sense, uh, it looks very promising. Mm. 
Well, uh, you've been listening to World Today um, on CDTN Radio. We are having a panel discussion on ASEAN's mandate to foster growth. We have with us Timo Kibimaki, Professor of International Relations at University of Bath. Also, Bang Nagara, Director and Senior Fellow, BRR Caucus for Asia Pacific and Honorary Fellow at Perak Academy. Also, we have Rongying, Vice President and Senior Research Fellow at China Institute of International Studies. We're going to a short break. After the break, we'll continue with our discussion. Chief Economist of Hang Seng Bank, China. The World Today is a real fun program. You will hear interesting people discussing global trend, economic event, what's happening in and outside of China. So, friends around the world, hope you can join us. Welcome back to the show. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. Today we're having a panel discussion on ASEAN's mandate to foster growth. We have with us Timo Kivimaki, Professor of International Relations at University of Bath, Balnagara, Director and Senior Fellow, BRR Caucus for Asia Pacific and Honorary Fellow at Perak Academy. Also, we have Rongying, Vice President and Senior Research Fellow at the China Institute of International Studies. Now, let's take a look at how to foster growth among ASEAN countries. Uh, first up, uh, let's take a look at some of the factors, internal factors, actually, within ASEAN countries that uh, need to be improved to further unleash uh, growth potentials. Um, Dr. Rongying, what's your take? Yeah, I think, uh, I, again, I would echo the, uh, the uh, previous uh, sort of, uh, discussions in terms of uh, the uniqueness of uh, ASEAN. Mm. Uh, the ASEAN Kaya, ka, uh, has come into existence not because of universality, rather because of the, its diversity, because of difference. And in the process of managing these differences or solving the uh, problems arising from differences, ASEAN becomes stronger, becomes more relevant. And uh, with regard to your question, mm-hmm. I think uh, I, I, for me, certainly as we are looking at ASEAN as uh, a poten- uh, uh, grouping uh, with great potential, we surely we also have to be aware there are uh, uh, sort of challenges ahead as others. Right? I think for me, the first, uh, the uh, uh, foremost is the, the disparities, I mm. mean, the development, uh, ASEAN members. You have the uh, developed, I mean, <laughs> highly developed economy. Mm, while you also point. have, mm. yeah, yeah, that's right. And mm. the others, how to ensure that the gaps, the disparity would be addressed, not only among states, but also within the state. Mm. I think this is also an issue. And related to that, of course, if you look at the other challenges, the infrastructure problems, the connectivity issues remain. And there are also others that I like, as I talked about the, uh, the education issues, the environment issues, and also the need to 
uh, adapt to the challenges arising from technology and other things. Others are also very much on the agenda. That's why you follow one follows the agenda, follows the documents, outcome documents arising from meetings, uh, something like that. You will always find there are plans, strategies, mm. and also initiatives that would hope that in the hope that it will be addressed. That. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we could find a good solutions, and uh, if we could find a way uh, to address in an effective way, I think definitely we are we all can make ASEAN more successful mm-hmm. and more attractive. Right. Um, now, Mr. Nagara, how would you respond uh, to direct uh, Dr. Rongying's comment? And uh, among all these factors that he mentioned, which one do you think policymakers among ASEAN countries can start to work from? Well, I think uh, because ASEAN works uh, mainly by consensus, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all of the member countries should do their part. And, uh, you know, it's not up to just one or two countries. And we should, uh, you know, uh, bear in mind that uh, all ASEAN members have a joint responsibility in contributing to the larger regional project. Uh, so, you know, when we talk about uh, the what needs to be done for the region, uh, as represented by ASEAN, to uh, grow more and better with greater uh, stability and consistency. I think individual uh, countries uh, need to think regionally as well, as not, and not just nationally. Mm. This is not easy to do for many countries because they have for so long thought in terms of uh, you know their country nationally only, uh, for too long and, and too often. Mm. So, uh, for example, in the auto industry, uh, first of all, years ago, Malaysia, since the 1980s, had this national car project. Uh, then we have another ASEAN country like Vietnam more recently having a national car project as well. well mm. The motor car or the automobile has to be understood as a global commodity that is you know, international in origin with parts and labor from many different countries, more than any other product perhaps. So I think you have to say that it is that it's something that is of national origin and national project is actually moving away from the regional way of thinking. So why not have, for example, an ASEAN car project or ASEAN auto rather than just individual countries, which then leads to individual countries in ASEAN competing against each other very unnecessarily mm-hmm. instead of working together. So I think the regionalism has to be deeper. And to do that, it is not only uh, necessary to think in terms of the region, but also to act in terms of the region uh, among ASEAN countries. Mm-hmm. And not just nationally, because on a national level, there is a very unnecessary and repetition, uh, duplication and competition, which uh, actually takes away from the regional uh, project that needs to be done much more. Mm. Well, certainly policy coordination is needed. Now, in his speech at the start of the plenary session of the summit, Indonesian President Joko Widodo likened ASEAN to a giant ship. And he said, uh, here I quote, Despite having to sail through a storm, we as leaders must ensure that this ship can continue to sail and we'll, we have to be captains of our own ship to achieve peace, to achieve stability, to achieve com- uh, prosperity together. Um, Professor Kivimaki, how do you understand the background of Widodo's words um, and why did he stress the importance of ASEAN countries being their own captain? 
I think uh, President Jokowi mm. was actually referring to something that uh, that Dr. Bunt Nagara said uh, in the very beginning uh, regarding to sovereignty. A key component of ASEAN regionalism is the idea of respect for sovereignty. ASEAN does not accept the idea of outsiders imposing their own solutions to countries. Uh, even so that if we look at the founding document of ASEAN and East Asian regionalism, uh, namely the Treaty of Amity and Cooperation is almost all about uh, sovereignty. Uh, six first articles of the treaty emphasize sovereignty and non-interference. Uh, uh, and also, even even the document that we discussed before, the epicentrum of growth uh, mm -hmm. document uh, arrived at uh, in this uh, summit, uh, it refers to the Treaty of Amity and Cooperation. So I, I don't think it is unexpected that President, President Jokowi uh, emphasizes non-interference. Uh, I think very practically, I think Jokowi is also referring to the disputes between China and the US uh, and how they reflect to ASEAN. Uh, Indonesia has suffered from the pressures it feels mm. to have to choose their side. Uh, Indonesia obviously wants to be in good terms with China and the US mm. and pushing Indonesia into one of the two camps uh, is not uh, in, in, in Indonesia's interest uh, and that's why Indonesia wants to to to, to, to steer its own ship uh, uh, so that uh, nobody pushes it uh, to one or the two camps. Mm. Now, uh, Dr. Rongying, how much has... Um Jokowi's words to do with ASEAN centrality, which uh, is uh, a term ASEAN, lead ASEAN leaders have been uh, stressing for quite a long time. Well, I think uh, uh, certainly the, uh, the what makes ASEAN uh, stand out or different from other regional or similar grouping is the ASEAN centrality. Mm. I think previously we talked about ASEAN sitting at the driver's seat and now I think we have President Joko Widodo talking about being the captain of the, this big ship. And all, I think, refers to the importance and refers to the need of ASEAN to, uh, to take control, I mean, to own the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, its sort of a fate or its future, which has, fully, uh, has been fully respected by China, mm -hmm. and uh, which is also, I think, important for ASEAN to continue to play a kind of role in 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 uh, bringing together to ensure, I think, the regional uh, architecture, regional uh, cooperation will remain on the uh, right uh, track, and it will also help ASEAN to pursue its uh, vision. I mean, ASEAN community, uh, uh, while in the meantime, I think uh, maintain. Uh, its own sovereignty, territorial integrity, and others. So this is, a, of course, it's a, again, as far as I can see, is an, something in the process. And so far, it's been doing very well. But as, as, again, as we have seen that there are challenges ahead. And uh, increasingly, I think ASEAN is under pressure of, uh, of, the, uh, of, of uh, being... For compelling, being compelled to take sides. I think China made it very clear China is not uh, pushing uh, mm -hmm. ASEAN to take sides. It's rather, I think, the United States and others are putting forward this various kind of pressure and uh, 
putting up, uh, I mean, uh, sort of initiatives mm. exclusively or targeting uh, China and others makes the region uh, 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 that would, could, would may fall into two uh, upholding camps. Or, or That is something very dangerous. That mm. is why I think President Jacques Widodo said uh, ASEAN does not want to become an arena for major country rivalry. Yes. does not want mm. to be part of that game, which is, again, China very much supports uh, to that. Mm. Well, that uh, reminded me of something Singaporean Prime Minister Li Xianlong uh, said uh, at the summit. He urged uh, to create an open and inclusive ASEAN. Uh, here are his words. ASEAN countries have always sought an open and inclusive regional architecture where countries have overlapping circles of friends where all uh, external partners, including the major powers, have a stake in and contribute to regional stability and development. Now, Mr. Nagara, um, as someone who is now sitting in the ASEAN region, uh, so who are the main major powers in the region? Well, the major powers are outside ASEAN. Uh, it's commonly regarded uh, the two biggest would be uh, the United States and China. And also, uh, let's not forget uh, Japan, uh, um, mm. India and Australia, although a middle power, uh, is also significant and so on. So I think uh, the major powers are generally regarded, as I said, outside the ASEAN region, but they do have an impact on this. This is why I think uh, President Jokowi made it the point and made it very clear that ASEAN as a region, as an organization, uh, will not be swayed one way or the other by outside powers for their own benefit, not for the benefit of ASEAN countries. But ASEAN countries have a responsibility to their own peoples to steer a non-aligned position, to remain neutral, and to work with everybody without taking sides against anyone. Mm. So I think uh, Prime Minister Lee Sen Lung is uh, very correct uh, in actually uh, enlarging on the points made by President Jokowi to say that uh, for our own sakes and for the sake of the rest of the world, that ASEAN has this responsibility to remain neutral, but in a very constructive and proactive way to work with everyone and to bring uh, disputing countries, if there are any, to, together to help to try to be an honest broker. And I think uh, this is a very important role for ASEAN. Let's not forget also that all 10 member countries of ASEAN are also on their own members of the non-aligned movement right. at another level, national level. So even though individual ASEAN countries may seem as sometimes to have to be more towards one major power or the other, Actually, they are just what you call a hedging. Uh, in order not to be swayed too much by one side, they try to balance uh, themselves from time to time. Mm. So that on the national level, and then ASEAN on the regional level will always remain uh, neutral and non-aligned as well. But as I said, in a very positive and constructive way by working with everyone. Mm. Now, uh, to talk uh, talking about creating an open and inclusive regional architecture, uh, Mr. Nagara, which policies do you think uh, from you know outside major powers uh, are actually working against such an open, inclusive regional architecture? I'm I'm thinking uh, are is were uh, Prime Minister uh, Li Xianlong and President Joko Widodo referring or implying to certain policies? Well, uh, it is uh, sometimes uh, regarded uh, as uh, something which is not balanced. Uh, you know, if, mm. if uh, say, um, the idea of the, of the Indo-Pacific in, instead of the Asia-Pacific were to come into play mm. in a way that is defined as being exclusive rather than inclusive. 
So, for example, if the Indo-Pacific were to replace the term Asia-Pacific, then it would seem to be meant uh, to design to exclude China, mm. which uh, nobody in the region wants. Because uh, China is the major country, the biggest economy in the region, and the second biggest economy in the world. There is no way China can be excluded, nor should it be considered uh, you know, in any way possible or desirable. So I think uh, this is something very important. And we must also remember that as far as India is concerned, Prime Minister Modi made it a point at the Shangri-La Dialogue a couple of years ago mm. that India's idea of the Indo-Pacific is an inclusive one. It is not to exclude any country. And therefore, I think uh, we have to keep that in mind. And also, if the Indo-Pacific has to mean anything and be uh, significant in any way, it must be inclusive and it cannot be exclusive. Because in this modern world of multilateralism and also um, you know, uh, multipolarity. Uh, you cannot exclude anyone because right. that would be counterproductive and unrealistic. Mm. ASEAN understands that very well, and therefore it has always maintained that you know we should be an open region and not be close or exclusive uh, because that doesn't work. It will only lead to failure. Mm, right. Well, you're listening to World Today on CDTN Radio. We'll be right back after a short break. Hello, I am Dr. Digby James Wren, a political analyst and international relations scholar specializing in China area studies. World Today offers unmatched in-depth perspectives on China's politics, economics, business, technology and society. World Today's team of reporters and contributors provides valuable information from all of the world's major economies. I hope you can join me on World Today for the very best insights and news from China, on China and help to build a better understanding of China's role in the world today. Welcome back to the show. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. Now, uh, let's take a look at the relations uh, between ASEAN and specific Asian powers. Um, in his speech at the ASEAN China, that's uh, also called ASEAN plus, uh, 10 plus 1 leaders meeting, uh, Chinese Premier Li Qiang said ASEAN and China made great cooperation achievements because both have uh, a deep understanding of suffering, uh, a devoted pursuit toward peace, a strong desire for development, also practical actions toward regional stability. Um, now, uh, Dr. Rongying, how, how should we understand uh, Premier Li Qiang's remarks and what does he does what he said explain uh, the common aspiration of ASEAN countries and China? I think uh, Premier Li Qiang's statement speaks uh, clearly and loudly about the, the, the uh, sort of the underlying logic, if I can say, mm. of the relationship between China and ASEAN, which now uh, uh, has been committed uh, to building what we call closer community of shared with a shared future and the vision put forward by President Xi ten years ago, and uh, increasingly we have seen that because this vision has now been implemented, has been followed by specific uh, plans, ideas, and Pre- Premier Li Chang in his uh, statement they also put forward uh, four specific sort of proposals in, in following that. And uh, with regard, and specifically, I think in talking about the common interests shared between China and ASEAN, mm. uh, he refers to the need for regional stability, the need for peace, and to need for a stable environment where China and ASEAN can focus on um, development. This is, of course, Really, very much related to the peace uh, of stability, maintenance of peace in the region. 
And it's also talk about the economic uh, areas where, mm-hmm. again, both China and ASEAN are facing uh, uh, I mean, tasks for development. China has now an, uh, has uh, committed to building a Chinese approach to modernization, mm-hmm. and ASEAN countries also very much on the way on the road for modernization, industrialization. So the um, question of development, uh, question of social and economic development, I think China certainly has a lot. Uh, she has um, so much uh, uh, in common ground with, and has been helping and supporting each other, being the largest trading uh, partners uh, to each other. Mm-hmm. And I think culturally, there are also quite a lot uh, talking about history, talking about the, I think the uh, people-to-people interaction, and specifically about uh, other issues like them uh, and others. And um, last but not least, I think also um, the question of uh, managing security issues, non-traditional non-security and but and also including some differences or disputes between China and uh, some of the ASEAN members, which again, uh, I think thanks to joint efforts of the two sides, mm. uh, they are on the right track and all, which all are committed to agree, uh, working out their differences, manage their differences. Um, equality and peaceful through peaceful means, mm-hmm. and that should be respected by other dialogue partners or extra regional powers in the right. in the ASEAN. Right, that is like, uh, important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, in terms of uh, how to foster uh, economic cooperation between ASEAN countries and China, Premier Li Qiang proposed uh, four measures. Uh, among them are. Uh, join hands to improve international access to the Asian market and also to co- also to cooperate on emerging industries. Now, Mr. Nagar, to achieve uh, what uh, Premier Li Qiang said, uh, what specific issues do you think uh, you know the, the both sides can start to work on? Well, I think uh, the process has already started uh, with mm-hmm. uh, China uh, planning massive investments in countries like Malaysia. I think uh, this will continue and involve other ASEAN countries as well. Now, trade also is set to increase uh, as the economies improve or, you know, in the individual countries. And in addition to that, I think more in terms of uh, the, the non-economic uh, issues, perhaps uh, educational exchange, uh, branch campuses of universities can be set up uh, mm-hmm. in various countries. Uh, some have already started. And also there are many other areas uh, that can be improved in terms of people-to-people relations, not just yet improve tourism, but also, I think, uh, in uh, various uh, areas of education in, at school level as well, not just higher education. Uh, also in terms of uh, academic exchange uh, and also uh, in terms of uh, cultural exchanges. Now, this is uh, very much uh, what ASEAN itself did in the earlier days uh, from the 1960s onwards. And right. it has proven successful for ASEAN. So why not uh, extend it to the greater East Asian region as a whole, and therefore, you know, the whole region of East Asia can uh, benefit similarly, and not just ASEAN countries. Now, where there are political differences over disputes and so on, and there are still uh, some ASEAN countries with uh, problems with each other in terms of territorial disputes, not just on land, but also in the South China Sea, as we know. Mm. I think working on the economic issues of common interests, people to people, exchanges, and so on, uh, can make those uh, political differences easier to resolve later on, as we know each other better, as relations improve. 
So I think uh, this is the solution that has been seen to work in the ASEAN region, mm. and it can be made to work as well in the Greater East Asian region. Indeed. Uh, let's move on in those areas where we can agree, where we have common interests, and last on those areas, uh, work harder on them so that we have more success and therefore make uh, those areas of cooperation larger and in- increase in size and overlap. Mm. So this is the, uh, the approach that ASEAN takes, and not the kind of a punitive action like, you know, as was mentioned earlier uh, on Myanmar and so on, uh, but, you know, to try to work together. And where there are differences of opinion or interest, let, let there be peaceful negotiations uh, quietly among those countries involved, and not necessarily under the media spotlight that, you know, gets announced throughout the whole world. Mm. But, uh, you know, it can be done, uh, you know, with uh, mutual respect and also greater diplomacy. Mm. I think that is the way forward, and I think uh, that should work. Right. Well, I think that's exactly uh, what uh, Premier Li Qiang said uh, in his speech at the ASEAN Plus 3 leaders meeting, uh, which uh, during which he proposed the regional governments to set aside differences and pursue common interests. And for our listeners, ASEAN Plus 3, uh, meaning ASEAN Plus China, South Korea and Japan, uh, Premier Li Qiang also f- uh, further proposed uh, resolving these differences. Um, Professor Kiwimaki, how, how do you comment on the current geopolitical situation in Northeast Asia, particularly between China, uh, Japan, and South Korea? And, uh, you know, what factors do you think have contributed to this situation? In general, Mm. East Asia has been very similar in the sense that they are all obsessed about development. And this obsession emphasizes, as as, as Dr. Bundanagara says, uh, emphasizes the things that unite uh, rather than things that divide. Uh, uh, so, and and the, the, the whole of East Asia has also been relatively respectful of, of, of sovereignty. Now, to some extent, uh, mm. I think uh, this is... This is uh, no longer quite as clear with uh, the the rise of of very interventionist uh, liberal ideas uh, that uh, kind of suggest that every country needs to be similar uh, uh, and and has has to be liberal uh, in the definition of us Westerners uh, mm. and to some extent uh, Japan and South Korea are being drawn. To, to that camp, and that makes it slightly dif- difficult. Uh, I mean, I think mm. uh, the case of China and the case of uh, North Korea, uh, and how sometimes they are being seen as 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 being on the other side, uh, mm. uh, are kind of good examples. Uh, of, of the problem, I think. Uh, Mr. Nagara, so how do you think the situation between China, South Korea and Japan influence uh, ASEAN countries? Well, I think uh, the three countries you mentioned, Japan, South Korea, China, uh, have their own uh, you know, dynamic uh, and mm-hmm. much of it uh, relates to history. So I think they do not uh, influence the ASEAN at all. If at, you know, uh, And you know, in a way, ASEAN uh, works on its own dynamic and uh, it would be good if the ASEAN success in cooperation, working together and so on, can spread to Northeast Asia as well in these three countries. So uh, that is the hope. And I think let us all try to, to do that in, in the ASEAN way. And uh, why not give it a try? Because it's well worth the effort. That is certainly the hope. But uh, we're running out of time. And thank you for joining us. Uh, we had with us... 
Thibaut Kivimaki. He's professor of international relations at University of Bath, Balnagara director and senior fellow, BRI caucus for Asia Pacific, and honorary fellow at Perak Academy. Rongying, vice president and senior research fellow at the China Institute of International Studies. If you want to catch up with more of our discussions, you can find our podcast by searching "World Today." You can also follow us on the X platform at CGTN Radio. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. Thank you for staying with us. Bye for now.